So it's a real opportunity for me to say thank you to you as a church. It's just a real privilege to be so supported in what I'm doing and to have a, be part of a church that's praying for my work and encouraging me in it. That I don't take that for granted, so thank you. And also a privilege for me to have this opportunity here to share a bit about my work with you. Um, that's not something that every church would give an opportunity for. And um, actually, I don't think I'd ever heard, so Hope Pregnancy is a gospel-centred model of, of pregnancy support, um, which is part of uh, CBI UK, Centre for Bioethical Reform. But I don't think I'd ever heard abortion addressed from the front of church until I got involved um, in this work. And that's um, deeply troubling because actually the world is teaching our children, um, our society about abortion all the time. (laughs) Um, So we need to be. But it's also deeply concerning because it sends out a message. Either that abortion is okay and so it continues or that it is so bad that we can't even talk about it in church. But we know that's not true, because we know that the gospel can handle abortion, the gospel can handle all of us. And um, we know that as far as the East is from the West, so far has the Lord uh, removed our sins from us. So it's loving for a church to allow an opportunity to speak on a difficult, sensitive issue. Um, and I'm very aware of that as I, I speak to you here. Wherever I go, I know it's a sensitive issue because it affects so many of us. So I don't know if you know, but one in three women will have had an abortion in their lifetime, according to BPAS, uh, one of the biggest abortion providers in the UK. And of course, for every post-abortive mother, there's a post-abortive father uh, too. And actually, for all of us, whether directly involved uh, or not, we know people close to us that are. And in fact, all of us probably have been complicit uh, with a situation in the UK with our silence. For myself, silent for many years. Uh, For me, being with a friend who was considering abortion, I wasn't a voice for her baby in that situation years ago. So all of us um, stand under the shadow of the cross as we address this sensitive uh, subject. And there are some hard things in in this presentation, um, but there's a message of hope. And we know as we go through these things that the Lord is with us, the Lord is near. And so as we keep our eyes on him, we can tackle uh, these difficult things as we stand uh, in the grace of God. So if anyone is um, directly affected by what I talk about, obviously feel free to talk to me at any point or talk to someone you trust. But just to let you know, we also have a project. So my project is Hope, but we have PACE, which is post-abortion support for everyone. There's some leaflets here. And there's a recovery course that runs to help people, whether men or women, affected by abortion. Uh, It was founded by Pauline, who started the project. She herself had an abortion back in the 70s, and um, it impacted her deeply, um, as it has so many women I've met bereaved by abortion. Uh, She found herself in a locked psychiatric ward after that. But it was there that she met Jesus, 
And um, so her heart is passionate to see other women restored, uh, brought into the grace of God, and to become voices for the unborn child like herself. And yeah, Pauline and many others have been a real influence on me in shaping this project, hope, the, the hope that they didn't have at the time. Perhaps they were being pressured by others into having an abortion. So this verse has been a key verse for, for hope, and we've sung about being the light uh, today in our worship. Um, so this, the word of God says this is what we are. We're not called, called to be the, be the light. We are the light of the world uh, in Christ, the true light of the world. Uh, and I just want to help us think through this presentation that we are the light. When it comes to abortion, what are we doing with that light? Um, so we know that it's spiritual darkness that ultimately drives abortion. Yeah, there's an industry, there's people, there's doctors, there's nurses, there's an industry, but we know behind that is a deep, deep dark spiritual reality and the enemy's desire to take out humanity uh, created in the image of God. But we are the light, and we want to be light that glorifies God in our culture. And this, for this, is such a big issue. So you'll see our mission for, for hope, pregnancy here, what we're aiming to do. And really, it's come about with the question, well, how would Jesus love a woman considering abortion or under pressure to have an abortion? And I spent a couple of years exploring what would it look like, um, and can sum it up really in two words, which I'll unpack a bit more as we go along, but truth and grace. Truth and sharing the facts and grace and sharing gospel hope. At the heart of this project is Christ himself. So I see it just as any other Christian ministry. Um, the ultimate purpose is to share Christ. I'll share a bit of my journey first. How did I get into this? Well, actually, it began a long time ago. Uh, 49 years ago, uh, there was a pregnant woman. She was told that uh, her baby, she was 12 weeks pregnant, she was told her baby had died. So the baby would have been actually 10 weeks from fertilization, the way it's calculated. The woman was told, you're 12 weeks pregnant um, from your last period, but it's the baby was 10 weeks from fertilization. So the same as this image here. Uh, so she was told her baby had died, and she was gowned up, uh, ready for surgery for a DNC procedure, which is used today still within surgical abortions, but uh, they thought the baby here was, was dead. Well, a nurse came along and said, we will just try this new machine. So she's an hour away from surgery. And that new machine was an ultrasound that picked up a baby's heartbeat. Uh, the baby was still alive. And praise God, that baby... <laughs> was me. So how could I not speak um, for those who cannot speak? Um, and as a teenager, I did. I had a, a strong voice to the unborn child. It was quite a topical issue back um, around the time David Olson was trying to change the abortion law. I was a teenager. I was quite vocal. But I have to say, for many years since that, into my adulthood, I've been silent, really. Uh, I've met women bereaved by abortion, and I've met women considering abortion, but really in terms of being a, a, an advocate for the unborn child. I, perhaps like many in the church, I, I'd given up thinking, well, what, what can we do about it? But in 2015, um, I was doing city mission work, and I would regularly go <laughs> visit this uh, lady, sit with her in her kitchen, she'd make me a cup of tea, 
And I, my purpose was to share the gospel with her. I would go around the community visiting a lot of people seeking to get to come alongside them, but share hope in Christ. And um, she would say things to me like, stop talking to me about grace. Um, and it always came back to this. 50 years ago, I had an abortion. God could never forgive me. So that, <clears throat> that broke my heart, actually, as I was seeking to reach her with good news of Jesus. And time after time, she would say, there's no hope for me. Well, I knew that wasn't true. <laughs> there's hope for her as much as for me. But I, it seems like there were these extra tight chains around her. And I know anyone being brought from the kingdom of darkness to light, there's a spiritual battle around that, isn't there? But it just seemed this, uh, the chains of abortion seemed particularly tight. Well, she may never know this, but she was one person bereaved by abortion that set me <clears throat> on a journey. And I, I went off and did a crisis pregnancy training course after that because I thought I have to reach people before they get to this stage. I have to be able to get um, to help them and also to help women after abortion. I wanted to be able to do that. Um, so again, may I just encourage you that there was hope for this lady. If anyone um, feels that God could never forgive them, well, uh, it's the same grace for all of us that we all need. And actually, the tears of healing and repentance for all of us, don't they? They are what brings hope. So whatever it is in our lives, there's restoration for us in repentance. But as we'll say, I think God can use that in our lives to bring hope to others. Um, so that was 2015. 2017, actually, we found ourselves, at Dan and I, going to lots of prayer meetings um, around the 50th anniversary of the Abortion Act in 1967. Uh, God was reawakening something in both of us, actually. We'd both been spoken to the Lord back in our youth about this issue. Um, so in 2017, we were remembering nine million lives taken by abortion in the UK. Nine million well, that led on to your going to our first CBIK event in 2018, because <clears throat> I heard of someone from CBR at a prayer meeting. Um, and at that meeting, the Clarkson Academy, it was the first time, although I'd always been pro-life in my thinking, it was the first time I heard, um, well, I heard again biblical teaching on abortion, um, familiar scriptures, but they were brought alive really powerfully to me because uh, for the first time I heard testimony of a woman speak publicly about her abortion, um, I'd had that privately, but not publicly, uh, how it damaged her and how she was pressured into it. And I also saw for the first time the reality of abortion. And actually, it, it, it broke me, and I was completely changed from that point. <laughs> so the Lord reawakened both of us, and we signed up to get involved with CBIK, did some of the um, displays, found ourselves in Ireland doing displays and London. And I'm so glad that uh, actually for, for a while I was just having a season of, of crying about when I went to uh, meetings about abortion. Partly they were tears of my repentance that even with my own story, <laughs> I've been silent for so long. And uh, the Lord awakened me to action. I'm so thankful for his kindness to me in that. So CBR UK has uh, several projects and Hope is one of those as well as PACE and Brefos brings uh, help particularly to churches to get, engage on abortion. So um, my project, Hope, is just one part of a wider response to abortion. So the main work of CBIEK, if you're not familiar with us, is that we educate on the humanity of the unborn child and the reality of abortion 
and offer hope to those affected by abortion. So our strategy basically comes from studying the history of social reform. Many of you may know much more than I know about this. But the, the truth is that if we want to end an injustice, we have to expose it. So I don't know, can you think of any injustice that's been ended without exposing it? Um, yeah. So if we look, one example of transatlantic slave trade, um, there were many abolitionists, but one was Clarkson, who worked with Wilberforce, and uh, his particular thing was that he brought in uh, bringing um, images into... Uh, Clarkson was... Uh, Wilberforce was involved in Parliament seeking to change the law, but Clarkson really took exhibits around the country for people to see the reality that was so far away from them in their kitchen with their sugar, in their coffee. He showed what was really going on. So this image, perhaps familiar to us, am I not a man and a brother, to rehumanise the slave that had been so dehumanised. And then he took images of the reality of slaves that had been savagely killed, and many of these were particularly shocking for their time. So this study uh, underpins our, our strategy in humanising the unborn child and exposing the reality of abortion. Um, and that's a scriptural principle, isn't it? That it's not that we should not just get involved um, with evil, um, but that we should expose it. So on our displays that you may have heard about, we go out onto the streets with images of the living baby. Now, this is enough to cause people to get pretty unhappy often. But we take that humanity to the, to the streets and um, uh, to educate the public. And the next slide shows we also unveil the injustice of abortion with abortion victim photography. So in order to... Um, yeah, shift public opinion, we have to confront our culture to change legislation. So the last thing that the abortion industry want people to see is abortion. We don't protest it, we don't say you must not have abortions, because actually exposing that reality, abortion protests itself, but we're there to educate the public. And for many people, they may change their mind instantly. And the reality is that as we share the truth, lives are saved, present, and future. So here's one example, someone that met us um, on the streets, and here she is on the front page of BBC Newsbeat uh, saying the impact of that, and thank God it didn't abort my baby. She saw the images. Here's somebody um, who went to our website and saw the images uh, and how that changed her mind. And here is Ruby. So back in 2011, she was inside her mother, but her mother was inside BPAS, our largest abortion provider. Well, amazingly, there had been a CBR UK volunteer outside BPAS um, who would often go there, and she would go there just to pray. But this day was the first day that she thought, She'd be brave, nervously brave, <laughs> to use a small, tiny picture of the reality of abortion, a little sticker, I think. And she gave it to the mother as they went into the clinic. So praying and pictures. Well, the mother was gowned up for surgery, but she couldn't get that picture out of her mind. And she said, I can't do this. 
And our partner said, let's get out of here. And they got out of there. Uh, so praise God. Uh, and we hear many stories of these, but sadly for many women and men, it comes too late that they see the pictures, the facts, the reality. But here's a, a lovely a young woman called Laura, who we've got a little short video clip. The sound's not great on it, I don't think, but she just explains. Uh, she's, she's taking part. Um, it's a film made on a CPIK display on the streets. So she's out with these images, and she just explains this is, is the information she wished she had had. One of our team here in uh, Basin State, one of our educators, Laura. Hi, Laura. Hi. Tell us, Laura, why are you out here? What, what, what does this mean to you? Why is this important? Um, for me, it's really important because um, I just want to spread the message about abortion, help people. <laughs> Yeah, powerful. So if you had known, you would have changed your mind. Yeah. And how is it going today? How are your conversations going with members of the public? It's really good to just spread the awareness. Um, we've had loads of people engage with us today, so yeah. Brilliant. And lots of young people. I saw you speak yeah. with two young girls just there. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. And, and it was the first time they had known. That... Yeah, and um, actually they were walking ahead of me. I went off for a minute and they were walking ahead and they just met up with some friends and I could hear them all having a discussion. Fantastic. So they'd also spread the message. Amazing. Amazing. Well done. Thank you, Laura. Sorry, I don't think the salmons probably couldn't hear that, could you? But she was, there's the main quote there with her saying, if I'd had this information, I wouldn't have gone through with it. And then she goes on to say how she's having conversations with teenagers. And then they went on ahead and she heard them talking about what she'd been saying to them. And, you know, this truth is the last thing, as I said, the abortion industry wants or abortion culture wants is for mothers to hear the truth before they go through with abortion. Here's um, another quote. This is someone saw, who saw our images on social media. She saw a display. She saw the images of a display on social media and said, if I'd seen this, I wouldn't have gone through with my abortion. So most of the rest of my talk focuses on hope. But just to say, if you're interested in the more activist side of the work we do with CBR UK rather than the pastoral, then you can go to our website and there's an opportunity to join the movement and get involved and become involved perhaps with the London um, display team. We try and keep quite big, big teams. There's a London team um, that go out once a month um, doing displays. So I'll just briefly just go through the situation on abortion in the UK. I don't know how much you know about uh, what goes on today in our country. Um, but let's start with um, an embryology textbook quote that backs up biblical truth that we know. Um, we've read Psalm 139. Well, um, here's a, a science, science book saying that life begins at fertilization. Um, it's highly, uh, many people try and dispute this today, but actually the, the embryology textbooks tell us this, whether it's human life, dog life, cat life, Fertilization is the start. So for many women, if the news of a new life will bring them tears of joy and happiness, but to others it will be real panic or despair, anxiety. Uh, perhaps then all of the friends will come around them and say, well, get rid of it. I mean, that's just what society expects now. Perhaps she only has to say to her GP, I'm pregnant, and he's already getting a form out. Well, if her friends say get rid of it... Uh, 
if that's her appendix that's gone wrong and there's a problem, well, yeah, get rid of it, get it out. It's a part of her body that's got a problem, get it out, uh, have surgery. But we have to ask, what is this it? <laughs> and actually, we have no excuse in our generation now for the medics to push this on us when they know they know the full wonder of, of human life. The abortion industry knows the full wonder of human life, and yet they're selling it to women as healthcare to remove life. I've got a short, beautiful clip um, of life inside the womb. We're really the first generations to be able to see this close up. withdraw its head. The external ear should be sound a bit just explaining it. But <laughs> By six weeks, blood cell formation is underway in the liver, where lymphocytes are now present. This type of white blood cell is a key part of the developing immune system. Hiccups have been observed by seven weeks. Leg movements can now be seen, along with a startle response. The four-chambered heart is largely complete. On average, the heart now beats 167 times per minute. Electrical activity of the heart, recorded at seven and a half weeks, reveals a wave pattern similar to the adults. In females, the ovaries are identifiable by seven weeks. Fingers are separate. and toes are joined only at the bases. The hands can now come together, as can the feet. Knee joints are also present. By eight weeks, 75% of embryos exhibit right hand dominance. The remainder is equally divided between left hand dominance and no preference. This is the earliest evidence of right or left-handed behaviour. Head rotation, neck extension and hand-to-face contact occur more often. Touching the embryo elicits squinting, jaw movement, grasping motions and toe pointing. <laughs> Between seven and eight weeks, the upper and lower eyelids rapidly grow over the eyes and partially fuse together. Although there is no air in the uterus, the embryo displays intermittent breathing motions by eight weeks. So what, what is new for us to see, we know the Lord has always seen as we read um, Psalm 139 he's always seen as he knits us together and um, we know his heart therefore don't we uh, what does he want to do 
uh, how does he want us to respond in actually what is a, a genocide in our generation of, of children? So I don't know if you know, but globally, an abortion happens um, every second. And in the UK, it would be one in every three minutes there's an abortion. Just got a few stats for you. Um, these are the last years are just about to come out. They've come out for Scotland, and the abortion rates have gone up a fifth this year. But these are the ones for um, England and Wales. So, uh, yeah, nearly two, yeah, 214,000 in, in one year. The majority keeps going up pills by post, so that is women having pills at home, abortion at home, often on their alone, alone without any medical support. Uh, and this is really what I want to emphasise for you, 98% healthy mum, healthy baby. So, of course, we want to have compassion for the, the really hard cases, and maybe this helps you to be aware of this statistic, because often people come and say, what about uh, rape, what um, about the mother's life? And, and yes, we want to show compassion for the really difficult cases, but it's important to know that for the majority, by far, <laughs> It's a healthy mum, healthy baby. And as Anne Faraday says, it's maybe that our contraception failed or we forgot to use it. So it really is being used as a form of birth control. Uh, and last year, we reached 10 million abortions um, in our country since 1967. 10 million lives. So it's really hard to take on these numbers, isn't it? I can't, <laughs> we can get some idea, but I've just got an audio clip which just helps us take on the scale of this issue of these 10 million lives since 1967 just in our country. What you're about to hear is the sound of metal ball bearings hitting a metal tray. Each ball bearing that falls into the tray represents 1,000 British lives lost. World War One. World War Two. <coughs> the troubles in Northern Ireland, the Lockerbie bombing, the 7-7 attacks and all other acts of terrorism since 1970. Covid-19 mentioned as one of the causes on the death certificate. The attack on the unborn child since 1967. Every time I hear that audio clip, I want it to stop. 
Well, I wonder if you've heard this before. Abortion is the most common surgical or medical procedure in the UK, according to the ARCOG, Royal College of Gynecologists, Obstetricians and Gynecologists. Um, I knew a bit about the stats before I heard this. I was really shocked that it's actually the most common procedure. So abortion providers tells us, tell us no woman wants an abortion. So, so why are there so many abortions? Why this scale? We know it was brought in actually to help the hard cases back in 67, but why so many on this scale? Well, many are under great pressure and many mothers and fathers are uninformed of the issue. It's very different if a woman is, is happy to be pregnant. She goes online, searches pregnancy. Well, the NHS will tell her it's her baby at four weeks pregnant, which means her baby is two weeks from fertilization. And by 12 weeks pregnant, it will say the fetus is fully formed, all the organs, muscles, limbs, and bones are in place, and the sex organs are well-developed. From now on, the baby has to grow and mature. So that's the NHS saying that. That's not my words. At 10 weeks from fertilization, 12 weeks pregnant. Well, what happens if something disaster kicks off, her circumstances change, or people pressure her to uh, get an abortion, and she goes online, NHS, same website, but looks up abortion? What happens? Well, we're told that um, abortion is a procedure to end a pregnancy. So all, all mention of mother and baby disappears, and we have this euphemistic language, which means that the NHS can offer abortion as healthcare, a procedure to end a pregnancy. Well, this is neither honest nor accurate medically of what is involved in abortion. Uh, the best way for me to help you see how misleading this is, is to, to let you see for yourself and to give you an, an opportunity so to see it. So this was what partly the Lord used in me and so many of us at CBR UK to awaken us, to activate. So I feel very much responsibility to give others that opportunity, but it doesn't come with pressure at all. Obviously, it's not easy to watch it. Um, and it's up to you whether you look uh, look at it or look away. But we, we, we share it because it mobilizes people and also every time it, it saves lives. So, yeah, we take our horrific pictures, our horrific films um, into, onto the streets uh, in churches to save lives and to mobilize others. For some of you, it might, might not be wise to watch it and you can just look away or close your eyes. But what we've done is we've taken a promotional video from uh, Murray Stokes International advertising their services. So you see the journey of a woman coming into a clinic through the doors, um, uh, going, yeah, getting ready and uh, then coming through the other side. But actually, we've inserted what they've taken out because abortion isn't signing a form and it's not looking at a magazine after a procedure in recovery. Um, it's a short film, the whole thing is just two minutes and um, the abortion footage comes about one minute in, it's silent and it lasts about one minute. So if you're not able to look at it, that's absolutely fine, but if you feel able, I would urge you to, because although we count uh, women certainly as secondary victims of abortion, we feel that the babies are the primary victims and their, their story has a right to be told, but we don't share it to condemn people, but to um, save, save lives and mobilize others.
So uh, this is what is presented to us as healthcare, but now you've seen what it really is. Um, broke my heart when I saw it. Um, and all I could think was the Lord sees everyone of these and he doesn't turn away. But yeah, it's presented to women, to mothers as, as healthcare. Here we've got a Norwich Hospital, which is the main, their main BPAS clinic, uh, the euphemistic language of Brit uh, British Pregnancy Advisory Service. Well, I know so many women who tell me if, it, if abortion hadn't been legal or presented to them as healthcare, there's no way they would have had an abortion. But here it is offered on the NHS. Many women find themselves on a conveyor belt before they know what's happening almost. Um, they're having an abortion. So how should we respond as the Lord's people? Well, um, here's our biblical mandate to rescue um, those being led away to death and to hold back, those staggering to the slaughter, to speak up and be a voice for those who have no voice. What has been the church's response to the last 55 years uh, to abortion? Well, a large part, silence, um, including myself. So for a few years, I was a youth worker. I didn't think I ever addressed abortion with the youth that I was with. Um, but when, when abortion clinics started popping up, churches did start up pregnancy centres. So you might think, well, why, why are you setting up a new project, Hope, when there's already pregnancy centres started? Well, it, it might be a surprise to you as it was to me that many have their mouths bound, their hands gagged from commending non-violence towards the unborn or for offering gospel hope. So this um, is how the main uh, organisation of um, pregnancy centres in the UK says that this is a Christian uh, and this is one of their statements um, that they will not offer a view as to whether it is a right or wrong choice or course of action. So I investigated, I did a course, I investigated local centres offering this kind of help, but I was told that I should appear neutral, the mother should not be able to guess that I was pro-life, and simply for me before the Lord, I couldn't be a part of that. So uh, I had no, no intention to set up a new thing, <laughs> but that was a story that God unfolded, but I was convinced there's no way I could be part of this. And um, what impression could it say if that's often within a church building? Well, she may think that if I'm... Um, not speaking against abortion, not able to encourage her to continue as a mother directly, well then presumably I think it's okay if she has an abortion and presumably the church thinks that and presumably the Lord thinks that if she's come to a church building. That's possible that she could think that. So I was convinced that we need a new uh, gospel approach to uh, offering this support. So how do we see Jesus in action? Well, the woman brought in adultery in John 8, Jesus intervenes, almost putting himself between her and those about to stone her, protecting her. But he says, he doesn't condemn her, he's full of grace. But he calls her uh, to follow him, to leave her life of sin. And he gives really clear direction. He's full of grace, but he's full of truth. And the reality that is that almost no one, including even those in Christian pregnancy centres in this country, uh, as a general rule, there are exceptions, but as a general rule, um, they're not telling women the truth. And that's why we're compelled to launch hope. So what are hope's distinctives? Can we do better 
than this, where we're not pro-choice. Some Christians would describe their pregnancy support as pro-choice. We must stop giving the impression that life and death are equal choices. So at the heart of hope are two things that many Christians would tell me I should leave out, that we're intentionally evangelistic, and also that we um, are lovingly directive, we share the, the facts and we encourage her. She has to make her own decision, we can't coerce anyone, but we're, we're a signpost to life and away from abortion. Our hope, isn't it, ultimately in Jesus, uh, that's our focus. We all ask, how will I be? Will I be okay in life? And we all go through really difficult circumstances. But we know that hope isn't ultimately in our circumstances, but in Jesus uh, for this life and ultimately for eternity. We do have real hope and we have real hope to share. So grace and truth is at the heart of our approach. That's how Christ loves us. So we want to be proactive in sharing gospel hope with women that we meet and proactive in sharing truth to share the facts. So our aims for a session are simply those things, to share the good news of Jesus with every person we meet, to offer the facts, to offer practical support and to signpost for further support. What does that look like? Well, it can be summed up. Uh, We don't want to be a neat, uh, what's the word, acronym. (laughs) Um, But this just sums up the heart of what we're trying to do um, in loving her in the way of Christ. Ultimately, we're looking through a conversation to see what's God doing in this uh, conversation. So we don't have a set formula as such. You know, what what point in the conversation is an opportunity to speak of him? Is it when we're talking about the development of the baby, talk about her creator, creator of her and her baby? What's God doing in this conversation is really our question. Um, But we're listening to her, so her story, her heart, we want to hear what she's going through. Um, But we uh, have to offer her real information, as I hope you've heard from women that have been through it, um, that have influenced this. Uh, And then we want to help, what are the things in the way of stopping you? How can we help you problem solve? And evangelism isn't just a wham-bam, stick it on the end, but a thread that runs through, as I've said, what is God doing in this conversation and at what point can we naturally share gospel hope? We pray that whatever she makes of what we're saying, um, that we believe that God loves her even more than we do, (laughs) and we're reliant on the Holy Spirit to work in the conversation and on her heart. Um, Got a short um, clip. I could play that just sums up the heart of hope. We all thought we knew what was best for our lives in the choices we made. But now, rescued from the mess, what is your story? What is your song? Lifted out of the mud and mire, set on the solid ground of Christ our rock, singing praise to God, that many will see and fear and put their trust in him. We are a people of hope because hope is a person. Jesus, our hope. Our hope overflows. What does hope look like? How do we do hope? The complexities of a broken world, the desperation of a friend. For all the answers we don't have, for all the things we can't make right, for all the promises we can't give, there is a deep cry in our hearts of hope. For the crazy now, and for the unknown future, and for the unending forever, for all these, we have hope. What's the cry of so many women after abortion? No one offered me any hope. Often driven by others, nearly always driven by fear. 
Many say abortion didn't erase the fact that I was a mother and that was my child. Many say abortion almost destroyed them too. The word of God and the reality of abortion convict us we must act. We won't wait until after abortion to offer hope. The world says abortion, adoption, parenting, whichever you think is right for you. And some Christians are saying the same thing. But can the Christian ever say or pretend that abortion could be the right thing for anyone? It's a time to affirm life. It's time for a fresh approach. It's time to stand firm on truth and offer hope. Hope is a new project of CBR UK. Hope is a revolution in pregnancy support. Hope is full of compassion for abortion-minded women and men. Hope is full of grace and truth. Doing ministry, trusting Christ, our wonderful counsellor. What is love? The world says, follow your heart. The word of God says, you need a new heart to follow God, to love him with all of you and to love your neighbour as much as you. The spirit reveals our hearts. He doesn't condemn, but convicts. And the God of hope fills believing hearts with overflowing hope. Who loved you enough to share the gospel with you? Did Jesus meet you where you were? He's with the woman at the well. He's with the woman crying for help. Hope isn't neutral. Hope is a person. Hope is Christ in the commitment of care and the choice of life. Hope is offering advice and support. Do you carry the Lord's heart? Do you love the word of God? Do you love women and their unborn facing the abortion crisis? Is yours a missionary heart of hope? Hope Pregnancy Centre is a lighthouse to offer hope in the storms of life. The word of God says, you are the light of the world, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. And Psalm 71 says, For you, O Lord, are my hope, my trust, O Lord, from my youth. Upon you have I leaned from before my birth. You are he who took me from my mother's womb. My praise is continually of you. I'll just start to bring things towards a close now, just looking at our expectations. Um, we're excited for what the Lord will do. We're still in quite early stages with hope, but some people say, well, you'll never get anywhere if you're bringing the gospel into this. But we have to say, what does the Lord say? And I look at organizations like Christians Against Poverty who bring the gospel right to the heart and see they have real spiritual fruit where we're unashamed of the gospel. Uh, we've been mentored and trained by people in the States, but developed our own training program for the UK, but been really helped by them. And they have had a fruitful ministry, as you can see. I believe only the Lord knows exact numbers, but um, and we trust the numbers to him. But they've had a fruitful ministry. Um, and they've ultimately been a big voice of, you can do this. Uh, the Lord is in it. So short term, we're um, piloting. I go to Norwich on Wednesdays. We're piloting with a local church there to to uh, get hope started there. And we've got a website offering un, un, online help. Uh, long term, we'd love to help 
other churches and really that's I think the emphasis for hope as much as we want to get something doing ourselves but see in what ways can we equip others so that more women can be reached so in Norwich we're partnering with the church that has a lot of projects already that reach out to the community and perhaps this would work with other churches where if they've got a food bank this church have got a day center a food bank a cafe different things going on uh, doing gospel ministry within that um, hope could be a part of that as they engage with the local community, trusting that we'll, we'll meet women as we go out. Uh, at the moment, we're doing a lot of door to door with our postcards, having conversations in the area, in the residential area, getting the word out and seeing what the Lord does in that. Uh, here's a Norwich display recently, and um, you'll see on the right there's a, a pasteboard. So, this is Pauline with her post abortion. Group. Some of the women bravely go join the display saying, I've had an abortion, ask me about it. And they are such a blessing if ever you're on a display, you really want someone with a pasteboard there. It's a real precious thing to have. And the Lord really uses that. Where we're looking with the, um, to look, looking to get a hope board soon so that we can, as well as offering hope after abortion, we can offer hope instead of abortion. So we'll be trying that soon. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, yeah, there's the website. But our heart really is for churches. And um, we've got an intensive training course for those who really want to get involved. But my heart was really to offer something that just anyone would find useful. Um, so perhaps you may have a friend occasionally that says to you, I'm in that situation, or you may have be connected with the youth group or have opportunities. I just wanted for anyone to have that opportunity. How do I respond if someone says to me, help? <laughs> I'm pregnant, so really grateful to Rob here and helping me with the, with the design for this leaflet um, that gives a main section in helping someone and then a tear-off section to give to the, the person involved. So thanks for your prayers with that, and I pray that this might be something that we can get to a number of churches to help a lot of Christians uh, be a Christ-like friend to a woman in need. Um, do you remember Ruby? I mentioned her near the beginning. Well, this was her around her 10th birthday. She said, I want to meet the lady that saved my life. So the Heart magazine, Christian magazine, did a little feature on her meeting uh, the volunteer that had bravely offered her mum that image. And actually, in that, it wasn't just that Ruby's life was saved, but it was wonderful, wonderful, part of a wonderful a tapestry the Lord had been weaving. So the grandmother of Ruby, the mother of Ruby's dad, is a Christian, and she'd been praying uh, that day. <laughs> so it's just showing again how, you know, the Lord, if we are faithful and doing our part, the Lord brings that together and he weaves the story. And this is our real prayer for hope, to see this multiplied, to see physical life saved, but also spiritually to see the Lord at work uh, for salvation. So we're looking for partnerships, people will, who will pray. Um, we realise that that is the only way uh, anything's going to happen and driving this forward is uh, the work of the Holy Spirit. So we really desire people's prayers. But just to bring it to a close, um, really uh, we can be astounded by the fact that uh, 10 million lives have been taken since 1967. But actually what is more tragic really is the church in this country is largely silent on it and uh, actually it's not acceptable in a genocide to remain silent I'm so thankful for the Lord's kindness in waking me up on this uh, so the question to each of us is you know as we encourage each other in different areas of, the, of our lives before the Lord in this area 
Um, are we a city on the hill that we are? The world is watching. What will we do with the light that we are? The light that brings true hope to the spiritual darkness of abortion. We just pray for us. We praise you, Heavenly Father, for your great mercy uh, to us. I, I'm astounded at your mercy to me day by day, morning by morning. Lord, you give me another day to have a fresh start with you um, to me, a sinner, and I'm so thankful. Lord, I pray that, um, praise you that we come before you, um, trusting only in Jesus, Lord, and looking to what you will do with our lives, looking to what you will do in our nation with your church, your people, your bride, Lord. Pray that you help us to help each other to bring your your healing, your restoration to us in the different areas of our lives. But I pray that on this issue, for our generation, Lord, to give an account for you one day before. So far, these 10 million lives taken, Lord, what will we say as your people, Lord? So we pray, Lord, in your mercy, help us. Help us to be that city on a hill that we are, that light of the world you declare us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.